You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. We started a series accidentally because I thought it was a standalone message, but the Lord really did, had me move right into a series on it a while back. A couple of weeks back on, on the part, the mission of the church, you know, to cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, preach the gospel and make disciples. You know, we're, we're called to do that. People don't realize that there is a spiritual attack that has always been against the church as a whole, that we've got to just take every weapon that God has given us and stand against it. But really, the mission of the church from day one was to reestablish dominion, the authority of the kingdom of God, because man lost it when man sinned, and it was stripped away from him. And so when Christ redeemed man, the very mission of the church was the reestablishment of the authority and the dominion of the kingdom of God, that you will go, you will tread upon serpents and scorpions, and it shall by no means hurt you. Amen. I mean, that means, number one, I guess you could step on a snake. I'm not going to. I'm going to beat it with a head, over the head with a baseball bat 18 times, shoot it 17 times, chop its head off, and then call an exterminator. But ultimately, if I did step on it, I'd be okay. But it's also talking about spiritual things. The serpent represents the devil. And so we understand what he's saying is you can tread on dark, wicked things, and it will not harm you whatsoever. Because you have been given dominion from God. Now, uh, the church gulps at the word dominion. I don't know why, though, especially the word dominate, the root of it. But you have meant to dominate over the forces of darkness. Right. But you'll never dominate if you spend your whole life fleeing. Right. The church is not supposed to be someone trying to find an escape route. We're supposed to be the frontline soldiers in this battle. And we are meant to take territory. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Your portion, your calling. Then you're to lay hands on the sick. People, I, the people, by their own experiences, will strip the word of all its authority to tell you that Christ doesn't heal anymore, that these things passed away. That's not, that is not found in the word. It says lay hands on the sick and what will happen? Say it out loud. Lay hands on the sick, it shall recover. If you were to tell a kid, a three-year-old that, what does that three-year-old do? Every time mommy doesn't feel good, the three-year-old comes running because they've heard the word and they're like, I know what to do. I lay hands on mommy and mommy feels better. Come on, somebody. And yet the world wants to beat that childlike faith out of you until you submit to the darkness of the world to say God just doesn't do things anymore. How many people know the Lord works in mysterious ways, which is an indication God doesn't work? That's a lie. I understand. Well, I've laid hands on people. They didn't get healed. I've laid hands. I've been in a mass crusade. People popping out of wheelchairs. I mean, wheelchairs everywhere, canes everywhere, jumping up and down. People healed of AIDS. And I took a contact out because I had bad eyesight, believing for healing in my eyes. The rest of the night, I was like this. You know what, though? I realized there is the degree of they are desperate and I wasn't. I had a crutch, so to me, it's a good idea for God to heal. To them, it's everything. And so if, if, if people are like, well, what's going to happen in America? It's getting crazy. The crazier it gets, the, the brighter the church will shine. Because we're not attached to this. And all it does is solidify within us a hunger right now. We've been bombarded with invitations to preach overseas. And my heart doesn't burn for overseas. It burns for America. 
But people are like, come for three weeks. Come, please, just blow it out. We're hungry for God. The reason being is because they've lived under such extreme measures the last two years and only now breaking open to where they can do things that people are desperate for God. That happened in 2020. It was a desperation for God, an uncertainty, a shaking that ultimately led to many churches closing down and other churches that stood for the things of God exploding. Amen. Because we're meant to take ground, lay hands on the sick, pray for everybody. Just keep praying. Don't get in your mind. God's not a healer. Pray, 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 pray. I prayed for a guy paralyzed. He never came back to the church. Years later, I'm working out in the gym and I hear Pastor Caleb. I turn around. Here's a paralyzed guy standing up talking about how much he benches. I said, why did you never come back? That was kind of a big deal. He was like, oh, you know, I, you know. I'll get there. What? What's wrong with people? It's like, the, it's like the lepers that they get healed and only one came back to say thank you. Nine are just like, peace out, homie. If God does something for you, testify. There's a woman that came to our church and she was a single lady in her 60s. Had lived her whole life taking care of other people and taking care of an, an older lady. She came to me crying one day. Says, the lady I'm taking care of is about to pass away. She's well into her years. I have no retirement. I have no investments. I have nothing. I am dead broke. The moment she's gone, the family doesn't need me anymore. And I'm left without a job. And I have nowhere to live because I've lived at this lady's house this entire time. I grabbed hands with her. I was like, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are the God that provides Jehovah Jireh. I ran into her at Chick-fil-A two years later. She's working at this Chick-fil-A, comes right out, pastor. I'm like, what happened with you? She's like, you're not going to believe it. She said that when that lady passed away in her wheels, she left me the house. I didn't have a car. And the woman's daughter bought me my dream Mustang, brand new, to say thank you for taking care of your mom. I have a house. I only, she's like, I work here part time and all of my bills are paid. I'm driving my dream car, living in a huge house. I'm well supplied. I'm like, why didn't you come back to tell someone? You're at Chick-fil-A three minutes away. Oh, you know. Man, if God does something for you, shout it till you're blue in the face. Come on. And I want you to grab that. Because, see, that's the issue. People are like, God doesn't do anything because everybody he's doing something for hides it under a bushel and doesn't tell the world. If God takes your headache away, tell everybody you see with a headache, my God took a headache out of me, he'll take it out of you. Amen. It's not a small thing to be given a house and a dream Mustang. Can I? Who in here would like to be given a house in a dream Mustang. Raise your hands. Amen. Well, apparently our God does that. So somebody shout amen. What he does for one, he'll do for another. If you believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's not a respecter of persons. He's a good God. And that's part of preaching the gospel. The mission of the church. We're meant to preach the gospel. It's good news. Somebody shout good news. Not bad news. Thank God for that, right? He's God. He could have been anything he wanted. It could have been bad news that he brought to the earth. Here's the bad news. The moment, you know, you eat, it'll feel like razor blades. You're going to go to the bathroom, and you're going to have to go to the bathroom 18 times a day. I mean, he could have made any bad news he wanted, but the, the gospel is good news. 
the news is, come to me exactly as you are. You don't have to fix yourself. I'll fix you. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. I'll redeem you. I'll put my spirit in you. I'll call you my own. I'll bring you before me, and you'll be in a royal priesthood forevermore. Amen. That's good news. Shot. Good news. And so then we talked about the benefits of church. It's a family. Who in here is grateful for a family? We got family up in here. When people say we're the friendliest church around, sometimes they're turned off by our Pentecostalism, but guess what? We're, we're, we're a family of Pentecostals. Amen. We're not ashamed of it. Families are weird. We just might be your weird family. But at least you felt we were welcomed here. Amen. We love you like family, and you are family. Church is a family. Jesus said himself, the people that do the will of the Father are my mothers and my brothers. So look around at all your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your aunts. Man, you have a big family. We're bigger than any, any family that shows up at Thanksgiving. We used to do Thanksgiving together as a church, and we got too big of a family. Can't, we don't have anywhere to put the whole family right now to feed them. Maybe one year we'll figure it out. Then there's a covering in the church. Thank God for spiritual coverings. There's a covering that when you fail, you slip, you fall, or you don't know what's coming down the pike, God moves and has a spiritual covering within the church that prays over you. And things corporately that are broken through corporately are easier to attain personally. And when the church is moving in miracle signs and wonders, it begins to be a part of your personal life too. When the church is experiencing supernatural debt elimination, that's easy to tap into personally. Who's believing for that personally? I've been speaking it out. Man, God, you will eradicate my debt. I will owe no man anything but to love him. It's going to happen. And then one day I'll stand up here and shout it from the rooftops. I won't just work at Chick-fil-A and hide it. At least she's working at Chick-fil-A and not McDonald's. Everybody knows they're the enemy. It's pretty easy to recognize devil. Jesus, you know. Then there's multiplication in the church. What you do, one can put a thousand a flight, two can put ten thousand. There's a multiplication and an effectiveness that comes upon you when you belong to the church of Jesus Christ. Whereas before, it had taken all your labor and all your faith to produce little. When you begin to tap into the, the greater corporate blessing of God, your little becomes much in the hands of God. And then there's the, the reality of that in the church, you can't fail because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prosper against the church. That gives you a, a sense of peace, especially in hours like this when there's crazy things going on all around us. We don't fear any, any judgment of man or any overturn or any... You do what you want to do, world, but we are standing as the church and the gates of hell will not prosper against us. I don't care if food skyrockets and there's a shortage. Guess what? My burger will multiply in Jesus' name. I'll stand on that every day, cut it up, and watch me be fed. I will gain weight in a food shortage, not lose it. Amen. I'm going to look like, I'm gonna look like the, uh, what, what's, that, what's that guy? Michelin man, but it was like the Stay Puff guy or whatever. Fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. No, I hope I don't gain weight, but. Now, today I want to talk about four oppositions of the church, and I'll move quickly because the Lord has already taken over the service in a glorious way. Number one, in 2020 and throughout the word, you saw when wicked governments try to seize control over people's freedoms, where they tell you, basically, they exert themselves as gods, which is the spirit of Antichrist that desires to be worshipped 
and have the power over men and women. And so they ordered churches to shut down, called us not essential. And if you're in a business that was called non-essential, that's the dumbest label ever given. You are essential because you matter. Amen? People wouldn't be paying for whatever you do if it didn't matter in their lives. That's the, that's the dumbest label ever given. Everything's essential. And so then they told people not to, not to gather together in great numbers and not to, not to sing. That's just retarded. You know what I'm saying? Like when someone tells you not to sing to the Lord, you should go in the publics and just sing in every aisle. And how about the lines? Like this way. Every time I looked down, I realized I was going the wrong way. I was like, this just doesn't work. I'm on a different, I go march to the beat of a different drum, people. I'm, I'm not going to do seven circles to get to the milk. I'm going right for the milk. My dad didn't raise a fool. I know how to go there. Amen. Straight line. It works every time. Right? That was just like, but think, I mean, it would have been a good time to have a printing company. You, you probably made a lot of money as a printer. But we saw that, and one of the oppositions or challenges of the church is government or political opposition. Then in the Bible, all the way back to the New Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, you even saw where God would remove wicked government leaders, wicked kings, wicked people that stood against his move. God would remove them. There was a boldness on the church. There was the Esther that rose up to, sh to save God's chosen people because she was bold enough to take a stand with the favor that God had placed upon her life and she saved a generation. Amen. Think about it. So from the word, people are like, this church is too politically active. You talk too much about what's going on. The church should not be involved in politics. Well, go to another church. We're not locking you in here, but it's impossible for the church not to be involved in politics because we are a group of people and politics has to do with people. So we uh, excuse us if we vote righteously. Excuse us if we stand for holy things because we understand righteousness exalts a nation. And so we have a call, a mandate from heaven to stand against demonic principalities that mimic or stand as government entities. It's one thing. We, under, we respect law and order. There ain't a person in this room that doesn't respect law and order. I thank God for the police. I march with police. I'll shout it from the rooftop. Thank God for law and order. You can't own land. You can't own possessions if there's not law and order. So we're not against that. But what we are against about is a government that props itself above Christ and tells you you are not free to serve God. No, should we rather we obey God than men, the Bible says. Amen. Amen. Look, you can, you can protect our lands. You can, we'll pay our taxes. I pay my taxes. I don't enjoy it, but I pay them. Right? Who in here loves taxes? Just shout amen. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody likes taxes, but we pay them. And we actually don't even complain that much about it. I mean, sometimes we do, but ultimately I don't really complain. Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. But wicked government? You take even in the Bible, when Belshazzar was the king, a wicked king that mocked God and was, was really putting down God's people and, and, and taking advantage of them and robbed the treasuries of God and mockingly drank from the treasures of the temple to show that he was greater than God, a hand appeared and wrote on the wall, meeny, meeny, tekel you farsen. Anybody testify that's right? 
So just go with it, folks. You don't know either. M-E-N-E-M-E-N-E-T-E-K-E-L-U-P-H-A-R-I-S-I-N. I can spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it. Amen. Which is most of the Old Covenant. That's why we try and stick to the New Covenant here. Because Paul is a lot easier to pronounce than Belshazzar. But a, a hand wrote on the wall. It says, you've been, basically, you've been, fa- you've been measured, you've been found wanting, and you will be replaced. You will be removed. And it says that very same night, God removed him. That very same night, the judgment of God came and removed a wicked government. Why? Because the next one that came in, Darius, was the king in power when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he was tricked. But he stayed up all night, basically pressing in for Daniel, ran, found the lion's mouth stopped, threw in the wicked leaders of his, of his n- nation in there. They were devoured, and then he lifted up Daniel, a righteous man, to be the right hand of that country. Think about Egypt. God used Egypt for a season, but when Egypt tortured and made slaves of his people, he visited Moses and said, I've heard the cries of my people. I have come down, and I will deliver them. Some, can somebody shout amen? That's going to happen right now. We are in the midst of a great awakening. A great awakening is not held in the four walls of the church. You're going to see that God is going to put God-fearing, Holy Spirit people in places of power because he's going to turn a nation around. He's going to save it, and we will see one more time the glory of God poured out in this nation. You better believe it. As long as there's breath in my lungs and blood pumping through my veins, I'll be the loudest mouthpiece to say, America, you better get ready because the kingdom of God is coming and we are coming in power and in demonstration of the spirit of God. And we are not afraid of anything you try and prop up. Every mandate of man can come to nothing. Just like the righteous leader in Jesus' days. The people that stood and opposed him were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Those were both government leaders and religious leaders of the day. So who hated Jesus? Who had Jesus killed? It was the government. The government. And so ultimately, after it was all said and done, now they're attacking the people of God, warning them not to use his name. And Gamaliel, a man of wisdom, stood up and said, let me just warn you. Because if it is of man, it'll fail and it'll come to nothing, so don't worry about it. But if it's of God, do you want a war against God? Let me tell you, I've watched God remove people. And God is the original Godfather. You know what I'm saying? That's where the name comes from. Somebody grab this right now. He'll make an offer you can't refuse. Your lineage will be blotted out of the history books forevermore. You're not sleeping with the fishes. The fishes don't even know where you went. Just ask the pillar of salt that became Lot's wife. Religious are one of the oppositions of the church's government political things. Wicked people promoting themselves. That's why you see it in our vision. That's why you hear it as a church. That we stand and believe that God will raise up in this church county commissioners, mayors, sheriffs. We're believing that God would raise up people from this church for the local, even state and national level. That from this house we would see senators planted that fear God, stand for righteousness and have a backing of a church. Because to go into that territory 
It's a spiritual opposition. You're not equipped to do it in the flesh. You're equipped to do it by the anointing of God. Amen. There's a call. Just as I'm called to ministry. I went into ministry. I didn't have an opportunity. I didn't have a paycheck. Are you kidding me? People begged me to stay away. When you come into town, just keep going, Brother Caleb. We'll, we'll cheer you from afar. I was like, you had leprosy all of a sudden when you go into ministry. It wasn't because it was easy. It was because it burned in my heart. It went to, I got a job, I'm making money. Everything the world tells you to have is dumped in my lap. But every day I wake up and I'm crying out, God, God, there's more. I know there's more. Send me, God. And then you blink and you're launched into the ministry, preaching to 10 people and don't know how you got there. Well, if God can do that in ministry, he's going to do it in politics. There's going to be people that it's like a fire shut up in their bones. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it, but they're going to do it. And when they do it, you better watch out. There's an anointing upon those people to tear down, root out, throw down, and destroy, and then build and plant. But tear down, root out, throw down, and destroy, and then build and plant. But we need a lot of tearing down, throwing down. That throw down is like a WWF term, you know what I'm saying? That's a throw down up in here, Amen. Where's the senators that throw down in Jesus' name? Get ready because they're coming. And they're going to be released. And you better watch. Some of them be younger than you think they should be. But they're going to carry a wisdom beyond their years. And a passion within their heart for the righteous things of God. Because they've seen the fruit of confusion and wickedness. And they say enough is enough. No compromise in the church. Come on, somebody. People are like, I can't believe you talk about politics. Well, just get used to it. Can you grab my belt, Antonio? This past week, this Tuesday, Monday, whatever day it was, who's counting the days anymore? I'm the only pastor I know of that has a real medal championship belt. Look at that bad boy. Bulletproof. Protect the family heirlooms. It says champion of freedom on it. I was, I was blown away when I heard Bill and the South Lake Republican Club honor us. I, I, finally, I said, someone gets me. Because if they gave me a plaque, yeah, I would never present that to you. But they gave me a championship belt. That's worth, that's worth showing. Like, but they, you know, they, they laid it on. I said, I mean, I've never heard people even in the church honor to that degree of what Bill from uh, the, the Republican Club did. I was blown away. And it's not like I get up here and shout Republican, Republican, Republican. The Republicans are sold out too. And I said that that night. I said, there's a lot of wicked Republicans. So it was like, we don't have two parties. We had one party hell-bent for destruction for this nation. And you have, a, you have a great awakening taking place in the midst of that where God is raising up people to take back territory in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of those people won't be preachers. They won't be the most sweetest people. Some of them will be, like, they'll be firefighters. I mean, they'll be on fire, but bold as lions. And they'll take ground, and they will be rough, and they'll make problems. Amen. Another opposition of the church is religious opposition. Religious opposition has always opposed Christ. Religion is a stinking thinking. 
It's where people will easily say that the devil has more power than God. Everything. When Jesus came and cast devils out and healed people, they said, this man does it by the power of the devil. Religion has a way of celebrating dead things and talking about things to come, but opposing anything that's happening now. Let me tell you, religion is where people will literally prop up in the church and begin to teach you that God has no power. God doesn't deliver. God doesn't heal like we were talking about. God doesn't, you can't, you can't expect God to lay people out. That's the devil. Why can the devil suddenly have more power than God does? Why could he lay people out, but God can't lay people out? Since when did the devil suddenly amass more power than my God? My God is the king of glory. One pinky on his hand has more power than every devil in hell. My God has power. He still raises the dead today. He still makes blind eyes see today. Ears still pop open in his glory today. God still breaks through and multiplies today. He is a supernatural God. Everywhere he is, there's divine things. No, the devil doesn't have more power than God. And anytime you get around a place that tries to tell you that God can't do things, he won't do things, and make excuses and teach you how God stopped these things, excuse yourself and run down the road and get out and shake the dust off your feet. Come on, somebody. Bro, I ain't got nothing to do with that. My God is still in the business of doing miraculous things today. He's still a miraculous supplier today. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. You're too late. I'm too far gone. I'm in the realms of God's presence. And I got to tell you, come on in because the water's fine. My God has power. You kidding me? But people make excuses. That's religion. Always battering down people that are free, telling them to get unfree. Come back to bondage. Come on, come back to Egypt. Come back. Can't you hear the whip? Don't you want that whip? No! Get thee behind me, Satan. My house will serve the Lord. And it'll be a house of freedom, a house of joy, a house of blessing, a house well supplied. Amen. My God has power. Religion is a lie from the pit of hell. Meant to hold you back from experiencing what God has. People will tell you God, I mean, the, even in a Pentecostal church, when people get drunk and drinking the new wine, they're like, man, God can't do that. Since when did a dying grape have more power than the king of glory? You mean to tell me that some dying grape on planet earth can make me feel something, but God can't make me feel something? Oh, let's talk about it a little while. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, that's fake. That's the devil. So the devil can make me feel good, but God makes me feel Nothing? Sounds like you're confused, brother. Because the devil's the one that brings anxiety, heaviness, depression, but God breaks those shackles off. I wake up full of joy. I go to bed full of joy. There's times, yeah, where the glory of God's so strong you can't stand. The physical body gives way. Amen. Is that really hard to believe that God is big enough to actually influence the flesh? Of course he can influence the flesh. He made it from the dust. It's this breath that's on the inside of you. If you open yourself up, you will step into realms, like Paul said, and realms of glory beyond this world. Amen. 
world going to PCP, I'm going to G-O-D. God will take me into realms of supernatural encounters. I don't need some prescription pill to be happy. I have a prescription from Dr. Jesus. Hey, that's religion though. It always makes God out to be powerless. Yeah, Brother Caleb, it's just, you know, if you really study it out. That was specific. The day of Pentecost had to do with just the 120 there. And when Jesus said, greater works than me you shall do, what he was referring to is the fact that the next generation would see no miracles, no power, but they would still believe, and so that's greater. And you're just sitting there like, what? Where did you suck this from? What tailpipe have you been huffing on? Carbon monoxide kills brain cells. My recommendation to you is stop hanging out in garages with cars running. Because you have to be a special kind of dumb to get that from what Jesus said. And maybe I'm offending people today, but that is the dumbest. And people teach that and people shout, Amen. People think that Pentecostals that jump and run and are full of joy are full of the devil. But the people that are like in their librarian service... If they laugh, dust comes out. What did Jesus call them? He said, you're like a whitewashed sepulcher full of dead man's bones. You're polished on the outside, but in the inside, there's cobwebs and there's death. I don't want death. I want life and life abundantly. And Jesus came to give me that life. Ah, Jesus. those dead things my God hallelujah Jesus Jesus and the religious people there are a bunch of people sitting in their grandmother's basement been there since 1983 haven't seen the sunshine in seven years. Yeah. And they're a critic over everything God does. Yeah. Ever notice anybody God uses always has critics? Because yeah. it's religion. Let me tell you what he meant right here. Never sat in the presence. Never experienced God. Don't even know what they're talking about. Have no degree, no understanding. Don't even read the word. But will instruct you of what God can and can't do. Yeah. Who are you? To tell God who he is. Right. Are you kidding me? I'm, who is man that thou art mindful of him? I am but a worm, God. You're the king of glory. That's why you'll have encounters with God where you really get that right. Yeah. You're like, I thought I knew you. I didn't know nothing. Amen? Amen. Who agrees with that? The Pharisees had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. See, when Jesus stood up in the temple and said, this day this is fulfilled, that the anointed one is here, it says that they basically that day were so filled with wrath and anger that they sought to seize him, but even then he walked through their midst and they couldn't grab a hold of him. He was like covered in Holy Ghost Vaseline.
And they're like writhing with anger. And Christ is like, but he said this day, this day it's fulfilled. If Jesus had stood up and said, isn't these great words Isaiah had said, they would have said, amen, brother. If he said, I prophesy that 10 years from now, a man will rise up that will fit the bill, they would have said, amen, brother. But the moment it happens then can't be God. Why? Because God wouldn't use anybody from Nazareth. God wouldn't use a Tennessee boy. God wouldn't use a person that, that occasionally spits when he talks. God wouldn't use a person. Yeah, he would never use you. Let me tell you, he would never use Pentecostals because they're just crazy, disorderly people. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're the ones full of love. We're the ones full of grace. And we're the ones that still see miracles. So you take your bed, I'll take my bed. Yours is a bed of nails, mine's a bed of roses. We're picked off. Picked off roses, you know what I'm saying? Not the thorny ones. I don't realize as I said it. Wait a second, get a better analogy next time. You're a preacher, act like it, brother. Amen. Another challenge of the church is resources. You read in the Bible... When the Lord spoke to Abraham, he chose Abraham. He actually called him to leave where you're living, come out from your house, your father's household that will limit what I can do in your life and go to a new place. And in that place, he exalted Abraham and made him very rich. Why? To establish the blessing of God upon the chosen people. It carried on to his son. Isaac sowed seed in the time of famine and saw a supernatural harvest. Carried on to his son, Jacob, given a dream from God of how to separate the herds and how to let them breed so that he walked away with the wealth of the entire herds. All throughout the Bible, you see how Paul literally was led by the Spirit of God to have resources supplied upon him that he could accomplish the plan of God on his life. What we're facing now is a building program. We need supernatural releases, a release of resources upon us. But that's why this is one of the areas, too, that gets attacked the most in the church. People attack anybody that believes God cares enough to make a difference in your life and resources. God has all throughout the word supplied promised lands, promises, great blessings, great covenants, and great rewards. That's why you got to deal with this on the inside of you and realize I will not let this challenge be an eternal challenge. It will be external. The world will try and break it and hold it back, but by the anointing of God, I will see the hand of God release things in my life. Because I trust me better than I trust wicked people. Are you with me right now? And you've got to recognize that. One of the re resources, it's like we have vision. There's so many people called of God. I mean, pastors, uh, evangelists, missionaries, burning with the passion for souls in this hour. But the thing that holds them back is resources. They'd have been gone in the nations if they could just get the release of resources. Well, we pray as a church, we're a generous church. Last year, we gave $350,000 away. And our goal is to outgive that every year of our lives. Why? Number one, because there's multiplication attached to giving in the kingdom of God. And if you don't believe that, open your Bible, start in Genesis and read to the end, and you'll see how many times God absolutely supernaturally increased people. There is my, it literally says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. That's pretty evident right there, right? Yeah. There is a blessing attached to serving God. The church has got to gear up 
and say, bless God, put the anointing of heaven upon this generation to tap into the resources that we need to see this great awakening come. You know, in the first great awakening with Charles Finney, I think it was the first, maybe the second, second with him, Charles Finney, his, his crusades were funded by the Ringling Brothers. So a business partner, what did Jesus have? The Bible says that it was what, Herod or something, or Herod's housemaid who was well supplied followed Jesus, say it, Suzanne, and paid for all of his bills. I mean, I'm believing to tap into that anointing in my life. Amen? I'll take a group of dudes, though, just so it's not misconstrued in today's society. Amen. Is that Pastor Caleb with seven ladies paying for his meal? That would get awkward back at home, too. Amen. Resources has been a holding back point. I know for me, it's like, Going into the ministry, that was the biggest thing. We were like, man, we want to go in the ministry. We're burning with it. But Father, how do we even do it? How do we do it? How do we fund it? How do we, you know we have to eat. You know we have to have a roof over our head. And we really didn't have a roof over our head for about seven, eight months. And the ministry just believed God to stay busy because we had nowhere to go back to. That'll put an urgency on you. Amen? It's like, uh, you call everybody. You're going to find somewhere to preach. And if there's nowhere to preach... Bless God, you'll preach anyways. I remember hearing a, a story of a man that has nothing to do with resources, but I was preaching in Texas, and a man came to me. He, was, um, he told me his story. He said, years ago, I was an absolute heroin addict, strung out on drugs, homeless person in Dallas-Fort Worth. He said, I found this multi-level abandoned building in downtown Dallas, and I would go to the building at nighttime, and I didn't tell anybody else about it because I found a place to stay. And he said, one night I go to bed, suddenly I hear preaching in the place. Someone just opened up, I mean, just started preaching the message of Christ, redemption, salvation. I mean, preached for an hour and a half. He said, I was trying to sleep. They didn't stop preaching. I didn't know where it was coming from. The next night, got back to the place, someone starts preaching. He said, I don't know where they're at in the building. They're preaching the gospel. It's an abandoned complex in Dallas-Fort Worth preaching for an hour and a half said all week long someone preached the gospel he said on the last night i opened my heart i asked jesus to come in said the power of god hit me set me free of addictions in a single moment he said from that day my life was transformed i started serving god i had to ride a bicycle till i could afford a car got a car got a place and now he's married with kids and serving the lord he said years went by and I was sitting in a big church in Dallas when an evangelist came to the meeting and started preaching, saying, obey God no matter what. He said, years ago, the Lord told me to preach for an entire week in an abandoned building downtown here. He said, I still to this day don't know why, but you obey the Lord. And the guy jumped up and said, it's because I was in that building. See, God is a supernatural God. You just follow him. You, everything you could possibly need is in the presence of the Lord. Just say yes to God. Amen. Resources are exploding in this world faster than ever. In the last eight, nine, ten years, wealth has multiplied at such an acceleration. You're talking you went from the wealthiest man being worth $40 billion a decade ago to being worth $290 billion today. Wealth is exploding. Why should the explosion of wealth be held by wicked people? Let me challenge you with that. Why? 
Because the church teaches people that wealth will destroy you. No, wealth just reveals who you are. And if you're a God-fearing, Holy Ghost person that, is, that will fulfill the call of God, think about what is released when you tap into that. When George Lucas sold Star Wars for $6 billion, I did the math. If you put it in an account at 5% interest a year, you could fund a mass crusade every single day. Why is God's people not in this? Are you kidding me? I'm like, God, release it in this hour. I, we would run, man. We'd do a crusade. We'd smack it as, with what we have. We do a lot. But if you increase it, we will do more, God. Amen. And if that's the cry of your heart, lift your hands right now. Father, in this room, may the gift of faith come upon your people right now. For too long, wicked people have mocked the children of God and held back the resources. But in this hour, I pray a deluge of the flood of God's presence be upon the church. We will tap into areas that previous generations never tapped into before. We declare a flood of the resources necessary to build the churches, to launch the missionaries, to send forth the evangelists. God, the church will not lack in this hour in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, shout amen right now. Praise God, let it come upon us. Let it come upon us and don't let any sneering devil get in your mind to convince you that God doesn't want to bless you. You're a liar from Liarville. Go run for Congress because that's your company. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will believe the word of God. And I tell you, get ready because God is going to lift up the children from obscurity and place him in the places of honor because he will exalt those that honor him. Jesus. I remember when we preached in India years ago, and I shared this at camp meeting last week or two. I, who knows what week it is? This summer has been a fun summer. I, I remembered, though, because we preached on a church that had a, a beautiful grounds. It had a Bible school, a woman's center, a parsonage, a courtyard, and a church building, and old other office complexes. Large property right in the center of Pottencott in India. And the pastor was telling me the story is this time he's, he was the apostle over three and a half thousand churches, Bible colleges, everything. They called him the apostle of faith. And he said, when years ago, this was the first property that we were able to buy. He said, the Lord showed it to me in Pottencott, told me to plant a Bible college and a church there and raise up people. But at this time, in the early 70s, I think it was 70s or whatever, I don't remember the time period. He said, man, Christians were treated so poorly in India, we were the lowest caste people. We, we said we were so poor, we had nothing. So we walked on the land and we dug a hole and we had a rupee, which is the lowest of coins. And he said, we, we buried the single rupee in the ground, grabbed hands, my wife and our leadership. And we thank God for the supernatural provision to buy this land, that we would use it to build a church for his glory in that city. And that is northern India, not southern where Christianity flourishes. Northern, northern India is where it's Hindu, Muslim controlled, and Christians are outcasts. Now, he didn't know this, but all the way in the great state of Texas, a man by the name of John Osteen, Joel Osteen's father, was taking a shower. And as he's taking a shower, the Lord spoke to him the name P.G. Vargas. He got out of the shower and he called his office and said, I want you to research a man by the name of P.G. Vargas. Find out where he is. Find out what he's believing God for because the Lord laid his name upon me and we've got to do something for this man. 
Uh, team Scrambles doesn't know P.G. Vargas before websites were really a thing, makes calls, and finally finds, after maybe a couple weeks, the P.G. Vargas in India. Well, the Lord dropped on John Osteen's heart to sow $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars at that time, straight to this ministry of a man he never met and knows nothing about. But the moment they found him, they got the banking information, they sent the wire and released the 250 grand. The property that we stood on was purchased with exact, that was the exact amount they needed. A quarter of a million dollars bought the land supernaturally within a month of burying a rupee. If God can do that in India, God can do that in America. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Hallelujah. I feel faith in this place. I have met people that the Lord has told them to walk on the land and God will give you the land. They walk the land. People mock them, but supernaturally God placed the land within their hands and didn't owe anything to anybody. I walked on Oral Roberts University where I went to college and heard the stories of a cattle farm out in the middle of the outskirts of Tulsa that nothing existed on that Oral would take his son Richard to and walk the cow pasture and say, son, do you see it? One day God will put a building there. He's going to put a university here. I see buildings coming up from the ground and people mocked him, but today thousands of people go to that university because when God puts a dream on the inside a man he puts the faith to call those things which are not as though they are father i thank you that that spirit of faith is in this house right now hey jesus all throughout the word god supernaturally supplied his people he would tell them look at the land March the land. Go around it seven times as a prophetic word that the walls are coming down and the king of glory will give it up to you. Come on. I believe that we're standing in a time where the church is going to move in this greater than we have ever moved in this ever before. And I'm not talking the river alone. I'm talking about the global church is going to move in a hostile takeover right now. Well, you better get ready. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Cast out every fear of lack in your life. Throw it out right now. You're not going to lack anything. I don't care if you're in financial duress right now. I pray the release of God's presence be upon you right now. Before the close of today, let supernatural resources come in. In Jesus' name, we break the back of lack off of this generation. If the devil's maneuver is to raise the price and make a shortage and make things hard, then God's response is, let me open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There is not even room to receive. Jesus. Property coming in. Who's believing God for property? I feel faith in this place right now. Hallelujah. Your hands are raised. Stand up if you're believing God for property. My God, we got some faith people in this place lift your hands right now listen it's christmas morning your dad is there with a gift wrap box said i prayed i dreamed i thought what was one thing i could do to let you know i was thinking about you and today it is my delight to give this to you that present is being handed over right now right now in jesus name just receive it and say thank you father 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, Jesus. The flood. There's a flood coming. There's a flood coming. Oh, mamamrakatelekete. Bibro, the storehouses of heaven are overflowing for this hour. It will be a sign and a wonder in the nations of the world. What God is going to release in the hands of pure-hearted people in this hour. Many dreams, many ministries, many things burning in the inside of you. God says, I see it. I know it. I'm the one that put it there to begin with. I'm the one that gave you the talents, gave you the heart, gave you the desire. You have stewarded it. You have come to me. You have been made fun of. You have been mocked. People have stood against you, but God says get ready because there is no army on earth that can hold back what I am freely given right now. Jesus, I receive this. Whew, I receive this, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.